part of that. But I am excited to share God's word with you tonight on the first first service of this year. And I've titled my message, Start with the End in Mind. Start with the end in mind. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to 1 Corinthians or go to your app, your Bible app. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and hold there on verse 24. You know, this summer was was exciting because it had our Summer Olympics. Those are so much fun to watch. But how many remember the 400-meter relay run by our U.S. women's team? What an incredible run. They were supposed to win the medal, and the unthinkable happens. Each one is running their 100 meters for their leg of the race, but the most critical part is when they pass the baton. Because in that moment, that's, the, that's where what's going to make or break the race. And the unthinkable happens. Right in that moment, when, they, when the, a runner from the other lane stepped into the lane of the U.S. runner and caused them to fumble the baton. But I love that they picked it up and they continued to run on, not knowing what was going to happen. In a millisecond, they saw all their dreams just come to an end and crumble. But here's what happened. You guys know the rest of the story. The team that tripped them on accident was disqualified. And then the U.S. relay team was able to run it again. And it made them uh, get on on a road to a medal. And here's what I love about this. Because a lot of us may have just given up. Said, you know what? Forget this. You know, it wasn't my fault. They messed me up. I'm not going to run anymore. But these ladies, they got up. And they continue to run. This is a picture that I want you to set before you for this new year. I want you to have that image inside of your mind that, yes, you are going to be tripped up sometimes. Yes, you are going to be hit by somebody by accident. But you need to keep running. Amen? You need to keep moving forward. And with that in mind, I want to share some thoughts of starting with the end in mind. And like I always like to do, allow me to just to give a little bit of background of who Paul is writing to. Of course, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the author of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And he's writing into, gives us an opportunity to look into the New Testament church. God was, uh, was speaking to them. And we, see about, we read about their structure, their methods, and then the message that Paul is sending to them. He's writing to the church that's in the city of Corinth, which was a very, very popular city. A lot of trade happened there. Merchant ships would come in and out. A lot of ex-military from the Roman army would would, uh, retire there. So just thousands of people were always there. And that's exactly why Paul wanted to have a strong church there. Because he knew that people would be coming in and out of that city. And people would uh, come and encounter with Jesus Christ. And then they would continue to share the story all throughout that region. Well, it was a great place for, for a lot of celebrations because every two years they had the Ishmian games that happened every two years and thousands more people would come. So Corinth was a very, very popular place. But Paul's writing this letter because he was getting reports. There were good reports, but he's also getting bad reports and he was sending a letter to encourage. And thus now we have First and Second Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me in First Corinthians 9 starting with verse 24, my text for today. And it says this, Do you not know that, the ra- that in, the, in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it, make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, 
I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. God bless his word. Now listen, this is this message today. I'm going to draw out from this text four things that I believe that we have to do this year that I'm going to challenge myself to do to start with the end in mind. And right now, maybe throughout this sermon, God's going to kind of quicken your heart on some things that you want to improve on, whether it be spiritually with spiritually with yourself, with your marriage or with your family, whatever it may be, or starting something new in ministry. I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today, but not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word after we conclude. But allow me to share some thoughts with you. The first thing that I want to share with you is everyone runs the race of life. Verse 24 says, all the runners run. You know, Paul had to be a sports fan. He had to be a sports fan. In fact, if he was, if he was writing today, he would actually be a Spurs fan. It's, you can find it in God's word. It's there. You just got to keep looking real deep. But Paul, in his writings, you would constantly see him um, use athletic metaphors throughout the, through his letters that he would write, through his epistles and different things that he would write. He just loved sports. And he was speaking their language because, again, like I mentioned, the Ishmian games would happen in Corinth every two years. So when he starts writing a letter and talking to them about strict training, about running a race, about not giving up, the people of Corinthians, they understand that. It makes sense to them. He's writing in their com- context because he emphasizes about competing athletes. They cannot do it half-hearted. They cannot do it half-hearted if they are going to run a race to win. Church, can I tell you, as Christ followers, as Christ followers, we're not running to win a physical race. We're not running to win a race that's going to give us something on this earth. As Christ followers, again, also, we don't have to run a race to win salvation. It's already been given to us when he died on the cross for us. What does the Bible say? For God to love the world that he gave. It's already been given to us. We don't have to run for that, but we still have to run in life. And what the, the trap that we can easily fall into is because we've received Christ in our hearts that we can re- get relaxed in our walk with God. And that's something that we have to constantly fight, fight through. It's not good enough just to show up on a Sunday morning and then go back to your old ways on Monday. We need to understand that we are constantly having to run. We cannot stop running spiritually we cannot just say that we've received all that God has for us and just put everything else aside. No, we need to understand that God so desires to continue to speak to us. We always have to keep running in our spiritual life with God. Because we're not we're trying to win anything on this earth. We're trying to make it to heaven. We're trying to make it to heaven not just alone but with our families, with our spouse, with our, our, our friends. That is our goal. So we need to understand that everyone runs. In the text, it talks about getting a crown. And that, that crown, what Paul was talking about, was literally a wreath that the runners would win when they would, they would win a category. And the wreath was made of pine, and they would uh, kind of weave it, to, weave it together, and they would create this, this wreath that they would place on the, the winners of those races and those categories. But he was saying that even those wreaths, they're going to begin to wither away. They're going to crumble and fall. And that's exactly what happens. When we bring flowers home to our, to our wives, men, okay, write that down. That needs to be one of your, your uh, New Year's resolutions, bring flowers home to your wives. One of the things we love to do is place them in a place that it just brightens up the entire room, doesn't it? But before too long, what begins to happen, as much as you water it, 
the flowers begin to fade away. And then you barely tap the edge of the table and it just shatters into like a million pieces and you're sweeping for like a month. That's exactly what can happen to us. That's the picture that Paul is trying to explain to them. If we rely on yesterday's blessing or the Sunday before, the moment that's going to begin to wither away if we're not allowing God to continue to speak to us. And the moment throughout the week that we get bumped by somebody or we get uh, our faith gets stretched, our, the, what we have in, with God is going to begin to crumble because we're trying to live off yesterday's blessing. That's not what God wants for us. That's not what it means to continue to run. We need to not give up and continue to move forward. And one, that's one of our struggles is hoping to, that we would last on the yesterday's blessing or the sermon that we heard before. So church, it's not just good enough to come on Sunday. It's not just good enough to come on the midweek, though those are important. But it's what you do at home. It's what you do when no one is around. What you do when you have time to yourself. Are you spending time with the Lord and continuing to grow? I'm convinced today, I'm convinced today that the wreath that we receive from Christ is a wreath that will never wither. It will never crumble. We receive a wreath of rejoicing. We receive a wreath of, of righteousness and of life. And it's never going to fade away, and it's never going to crumble. Why? Because God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Our God is faithful, and what he desires to give us will last forever. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. But we have to continue to run. If we're truly going to start with the end in mind, we need a purpose in our heart that we're going to run all the way through, that we're not going to stop. We're just continue to move forward. Number two. You're either preparing or repairing. You're either going to be preparing or repairing. It says run in such a way. Now, I have to give props where, where uh, credit is due because Max, John Maxwell writes a book called Today Matters. And in that book, he talks about this subject. You're either preparing or you're going to be repairing the next day. I'm convinced if we don't begin to prepare, we're going to be repairing at the end of the year. Um, Jennifer and Adolfo Aguilar, they're part of our church. They are always, always running, always running. I see them in our neighborhood. They're always preparing. Uh, You know, they're always running. I'll see them post on their Facebook, you know, I just ran 16, 17 miles. And I said, man, y'all make me sick. (laughs) But they're always running, and they're preparing. Why? Because they run a marathon every month? No. One, so that they can stay in shape. But two, so that when that marathon comes up, they're ready to run. Now, I love to run. I don't do it enough, but I love to run. And there's something exciting about that when you run, when you, you get into that zone, when you're just, when everything, the wind is blowing and you just feel so good about running. Listen, if you don't prepare, you're going to be repairing in your run at the end of the year. We have to always keep God first. We always have to make sure that we are using discipline. And there's some things that I want to share with you, three ways that we re- that we prepare. One is discipline. You prepare with discipline. It happens with training and consistency. It's not just getting, uh, reading a verse and just hoping to build off that for the rest of the month. No, it's consistently having your spiritual time with God, having spiritual disciplines in our life. Some of us need to destroy our, our undisciplined appetites. Some of us need to destroy them and just starve them out and feed our spirit man so that the undisciplined appetites in our lives will wither away and die. But it's not going to happen until you do it with discipline. It's not going to happen without connecting to the body of Christ. 
It's not going to happen when you, if you're not making an effort to connect. What does Proverbs 18.24 say? It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. We need to make sure that we live a life that is disciplined if we're going to prepare instead of repairing at the end of the year. Secondly, we need to prepare with focus. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus at, towards the end of the year. You know, we love taking, I love taking pictures, but have you ever taken that perfect picture in a moment that you'll never probably capture that same moment again, and then when you develop it or you look at it on your phone and it's completely out of focus, you miss that moment. Can I tell you, that's our life when we get out of alignment with God. It's not focused anymore. And we find ourselves, instead of preparing, we find ourselves repairing our spiritual life. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about focus, and I love this chapter. Now, many of you will know this verse because it has the saying, you know, he is, that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. But allow me to read it from the message translations. I just like how it, it describes uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans are cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in a place of honor, right alongside with God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That's the type of focus that I'm talking about. A type of focus that you will look ahead and realize that you serve a God who went through some of the things that you're going through. Hurt, distractions, abuse. And he took it all the way to the cross. We need to have focus on that. You know, when we get out of focus and out of our alignment with God in our worship, our gratitude begins to go away. When we can't come into God's house and worship him, we begin to lose our thankfulness to the Lord. When a reading of God's word is out of alignment, we lose our fo focus in hearing God's word, in hearing God's voice. When we lose our focus and we get out of alignment with, our, with, with, uh, with trusting in God, we begin, the, the, the things that we're carrying, the weights that we have on our hearts begin to get heavier and heavier. We need to remain focused with God. We not only need to have discipline, we not only need to have focus, but we also have to have, have purpose. When you prepare with purpose, you're being intentional. When you prepare with purpose, you, you've made up your mind. My son is a freshman in high school, and he just started playing soccer for Brennan, Brennan High School. So if there are any Brennan Bears out there, go Bears. But this year, um, he's starting to play. And in the family meeting that the coach had, he said this to all the parents. He said, never ask one of my players if they're going to win today. Never ask him that because a question is always going to be answered by yes. We always play to win. And I love that he instilled that into his players. That's the same type of attitude that we need to have in Christ. That we are going to end this year. We're going to end this year with, if we, we move with purpose, we're going to end this year in victory. You need to purpose right now. 
You need a purpose right now, not just by writing some things that you want to do, but putting it into action, taking your two feet and going to counseling, taking your two feet and putting together a budget so that your finances are different, taking your two feet and bringing the family together to have devotions in the evening before they start out a week. Do what you need to do, but do it with purpose, do it with focus, and do it with discipline. That's how you start with the end in mind. If we truly want God to bless us, we need to have these things active in our life. Third thing I want to share with you is who you run with determines how you finish. Who you choose to run with will determine how you finish. You know, we must surround ourselves with people that are going to help us win the prize. We need to surround ourselves with people because we're not trying to get anything on this earth. We're trying to make it to heaven. And one of the key centers that Paul emphasizes here is in, this, in my text is strict training. He talk, he's talking to them again. He's speaking their language. And the runners had to be disciplined. They had to make sure that they were surrounding themselves with people that were going to eat healthy, that were not going to cut corners, that were going to press through. If, you, if they were to hang around with people that were undisciplined, the time that the, they came for the race, they would not be ready. And we need to understand if we are going to win at the end of this year, we need to choose, choose wisely who we choose to run with. Back in 94, when Anna and I first got married, I worked for UPS. I don't know about you, but when we first get married, I feel like all I did was work, just, just work, and saw my wife just at the end of the day, and then work some more, you know, just constantly, constantly working. But I remember working for UPS, and it was just such a, a, a tough job. It's so busy, especially during Christmas. And one of the guys on our line would always talk about, you know, one day I'm going to be a surgeon. He would always come in talking about, I'm going to go to medical school, medical school and I'm going to be a surgeon. And we were all, I was all impressed. We were like, yeah, man, go for it. That's awesome. But on his last day, I noticed something. His last day that he reported to work, he came in and he walked to the line, went to the supervisor, grabbed his check, and turned around and walked right out the door without finishing his shift. And it put us in a bind. And I remember the guy next to me, he was like, you know what? That's how I'm going to go out. My last day at work, I'm going to grab my check, and I'm just going to say, peace, I'm out of here. And I kind of laughed a little bit, and, and I said, you know what? What did so-and-so, uh, you know, his name, what did Mike say he always wanted to, to be? He wants to be a surgeon. Yeah, he wants to be a surgeon. How would you like for him to be operating on you one day? You know, your heart looks okay. I, we should do this one more procedure, but I think we'll be fine. You know, we could fix that ligament, but you know what? It'll probably heal on its own. Let's just sew them back up. And immediately he understood what I was saying. Listen, when we cut corners, when we cut corners because of the people that we hang around with, we are not starting with the end in mind. We're not going to be able to end the way God has for us. Can I tell you, God has something special in store for each and every one of us. But we have to choose who we're going to run with. Man, you got to have that accountability partner, somebody that you can call in, at any given moment. Ladies, you need to have that God-fearing woman that's going to speak into your life. And here's what I believe the definition of true friendship is. When you're willing to put that friendship on the line to tell them when they're out of line. We need to have that accountability inside of us that's going to help us because who we run with determines how we finish the race. Some questions for you to consider. Who are you going to choose to run with this year? Who are you going to look to for counsel this year? Who are you going to turn to in times 
of struggle. Oh, can I tell you, this is a place. Let this be your foundation. But beyond the weekend, get plugged into a ministry. Beyond the weekend, get plugged into a life group. Find a place that will be your lifeline. Because it's not if you go through the, the, the tough waters. It's not if you go through the fire. It's when. And there's going to be moments that you're going to need to call someone. You're going to need the body of Christ to surround you. You need to choose wisely who you run with. I remember one of my friends that, that I went to, to college with, he went through just one of the toughest things in his life. And he told me when I was praying with him on the phone, he said, you know, Mark, I just don't know how people make it without Jesus. And then he followed by saying, and I don't know how people make it without the body of Christ. Church, I want to encourage you. Choose who you wisely who you run with this year. I'm not saying that we're not, supposed, we're not supposed to have friends that are non-Christian. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. We need to be a witness to people everywhere we go, at work, at home, our neighbors. We need to continually bring them and be a part of our world. But it, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to times of stretching, when it comes to crisis in our life, you need to be able to have that friend that you can reach out to. You need to be able to have that person that you can call on in a moment's notice. And let them pray with you. Keep that accountability partner. The last thing I want to share with you today as I come into a close is number four is no one cares how you start, but everyone cares how you finish. No one cares how you start. Everyone cares how you finish. You know, I have never seen in, in the ESPN when they do the highlight reel, I've never seen, whoa, what an amazing kickoff. Let's see that one more time. Oh, my goodness. What amazing tip-off in, 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 the, in the basketball game. That was incredible. Did you see how high the ref threw the ball? Do you never see any of that? What do you see? You see three, two, one. He shoots. He scores. The crowd goes wild. What do you see when the team is, is down by, by seven points? And they kick the field, they're down by, or they're, they're down by points and they score the touchdown to take them ahead of the opposing team in the, the last seconds of the fourth quarter. That's what they show. Because why? Because everyone loves a good finish. Everyone loves a good finish. You know, I don't want to get to heaven one day and walk through the gates and they just tell me, you know, Mark, you know, great start. High five. Great start. No, can I tell you what I want to hear? Can I, can I encourage you what I, I want you to want to hear? It's well done. I want to walk in when I see my Lord and hear well done. Even though I was a bonehead sometimes, even though I probably did things I shouldn't have, can I tell you God's grace is sufficient and we need to keep running. I want to hear well done. I want to walk into to heaven and see my loved ones and most importantly, see my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and embrace him and hear that word. Well done. Church, I want to encourage you. Start with the end in mind in 2017. Would you stand with me as I kind of begin to wrap this up? I want to share one more verse with you. Again, Paul from our text today, he wrote most of the New Testament. And in Timothy, he's writing, Timothy was very important to him, and he's kind of writing some last words to Timothy. 
And it's in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6. He says this, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. And then he goes on to say these incredible words, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And here's what Paul was, was refer, the picture that he was painting in his words. I have poured out my life as a drink offering. Here's what he was talking about. He's referring to the Old Testament that they would bring, uh, bring a drink offering to the altar and they would pour it out, completely empty it out. And Paul was, in essence, he was saying, I have given everything I have. I've given everything I have to the work of the Lord. And then he says those words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And here's the best part. And it goes on in verse 8 to say this. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, righteousness, which the Lord, our righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who longed for his appearing. Can I tell you, that is our goal. It's not making a lot of money, though it's okay, that's, that's fine, that's, but it's not about making a lot of money, not about ha- driving the best car, not about having the biggest house, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But it's about doing everything that we need to do so that we can finish well, so that we hear those precious words and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So my admonishment to you today, church, My admonishment to you today, church family, is that you would begin 2017 with the end in mind. Some of you, don't be a hearer of the word. You need to be a doer of the word. Go home as soon as you leave here. Don't go home and turn on the cowboy game right away. Go home. The first thing you need to do is go home and write down the things that you know God's speaking to you right now that you need to change. And start with the end in mind. Are you with me? If you're with me, come on. Just give the Lord a praise right now. Let's begin with the end in mind. Hallelujah. Father, we love you today, God. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, it's all about you today. God, it's all about you. Father, I pray as a past, one of the pastors of this church for your people. God, bless them. Give them favor this year. Bless their marriages. Bless their kids the needs that they have, God, financially, whatever the case may be, job-wise, I pray an abundance of blessing upon each and every one of them. But God, I pray that you would encourage them to start this year with the end in mind, to determine, to have focus, to have purpose, to have discipline, to do all that they need to do to end this year, God, with, with victory. And God, it's not going to happen with just one victory throughout the year. God, help them to live for you every single day. And Lord, I pray, dear Lord, as we all go our separate ways, that God, we would apply this to our hearts, that we would allow this to marinate in our hearts so that we do exactly what you want us to do, that we may honor you with our lives. God, that we may guts around and be there for our families. And God, do the work that you have called us to do on this earth. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness in 16. Oh, but God, I praise you for what you're going to do in 2017. And we give you praise for that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on, would you give the Lord one more praise clap offering today? Hallelujah.